Hear now our reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, beginning with verse 14. As always, I encourage you to follow along, noting any word, phrase, or image that speaks to your heart. When something stirs inside you upon hearing Scripture, it very well might be God trying to get your attention to say something that you need to hear and ponder to find your next step on the disciple's path. So listen carefully, pay attention, and note anything that speaks to you so that you can come back to it later and ponder it in your heart. Although I typically read from the New Revised Standard Version, today I'll be reading from the Common English Bible. Hear the word of the Lord. After John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee announcing God's good news, saying, Now is the time. Here comes God's kingdom. Change your hearts and lives and trust this good news. As Jesus passed alongside the Galilee Sea, he saw two brothers, Simon and Andrew, throwing fishing nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, he said, and I'll show you how to fish for people. Right away, they left their nets and followed him. After going a little farther, he saw James and John, Zebedee's sons, in their boat repairing the fishing nets. At that very moment, he called them. They followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired workers. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. At a hospital in Galveston, Texas, a Filipino nurse named Rosalie was working the night shift. One of her patients was a 92-year-old engineer with a broken arm. Another was an 82-year-old man with kidney disease. The third patient was only 52, but diabetes had caused him to lose his left foot. The diabetic had been a Baptist preacher in an African-American church, along with running a car detailing business. But then his disease began to take over his life especially since he wouldn't take his insulin on a regular basis. Soon things got busier as a new patient arrived, a Mexican man who spoke little English. Since Rosalie had once thought of becoming a nun, she made a connection with this man over the fact that they were both Catholic. Later in the shift, Rosalie and the diabetic preacher talked about the book of Job. The preacher said, because of his faith, God rewarded him double. Rosalie agreed. Then he said, whatever is God's will, I accept it. All through the night, Rosalie worked hard caring for her patients. And then she went out into the rising sun of a new morning and yawned with satisfaction. This story of Rosalie is taken from a book by a journalist named Jason DeParle titled, A Good Provider is One Who Leaves. It follows Rosalie and her family over the course of 30 years as they migrate around the world in search of work, then send money back to their relatives in the Philippines. In the book, the author explains that the money that migrants send back to their families 
is three times the world's foreign aid budgets combined. Migration is the world's largest self-help program, the world's largest anti-poverty program. It's hugely important to the people who are relying on the money they get for things like education, healthcare, food, and shelter. This reality gives rise to a common Filipino expression. A good provider is one who leaves, which again is the title of the Parle's book. A good provider is one who leaves. <laughs> when I first heard this phrase, it was surprising because when I normally think of providers, I think of people who stay, not people who leave. But in the world of global migration, a good provider is not one who sticks around, but again, one who leaves. According to the Bible, the same is true of those who want to follow Jesus. At the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, Jesus was walking along the Sea of Galilee, and there he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea. Jesus said to these two fishermen, Follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. What did they do? Mark says that they immediately left their nets and followed him. And not only their nets, but their families as well. Then Jesus saw James and John, the sons of Zebedee. They were also fishermen, sitting in their boat and mending their nets. Immediately, Jesus called them, and the Bible says that they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed Jesus. So what do we see here? A good disciple is one who leaves. Remember that when the original followers of Jesus left their homes, it was a real sacrifice. And not only for them, but also for the people they left behind. Just think of the disciples in our scripture reading this morning. Fishing was their livelihood. And I'm sure that Zebedee was not happy when his sons, James and John, walked away from the family business. And what about Simon and Andrew, who shared a house with Simon's wife and mother-in-law? Who would pay the bills when these men, these providers, took off to follow Jesus? Jesus called them and rather abruptly, without checking with their families first, just left and followed him. There must have been something incredibly compelling about Jesus for these men to walk away from everything they most valued to follow him. Which leads to the question, what does all of this mean for people who want to follow Jesus today? Well, some of my friends back in Lakeland, like David McDonald, Craig Hansen, or Jesse Jones, will be happy to know that they don't have to stop fishing to follow Jesus. <laughs> However, there is still a sense in which disciples are called to leave, called to abandon a life that is familiar and self-centered to walk with Jesus in a new direction. I want to close this morning by giving a few examples, which I hope will get you thinking in a very personal way about what Jesus might be calling you to leave.
First, a good disciple is one who is called to leave the workplace to serve. Many of us spend a great deal of time on the job, laboring in ways that provide income for ourselves and our families. For the most part, this is a good and necessary thing. It says in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, If an able-bodied person will not work, he shall not eat. God wants us to be responsible and do what is in our power to provide for ourselves and our families. However, we live in a culture that worships productivity and glorifies workaholism. And if we're not careful, then our jobs can become all-consuming, not only destroying our health and relationships, but ripping us away from the things that Jesus says we must do in order to be truly happy, like serving others. How is your life and work balance? We all know how the pace of modern life and the connectivity made possible by modern technology can make it difficult for us to switch off, to truly leave work. And if work consumes all our time and energy, it will throw our lives out of balance and make us resent it. So Jesus calls us to switch off, to leave the workplace, and to go out to serve others. This might mean tutoring an at-risk kid, handing out food at a local pantry, or swinging a hammer for Habitat for Humanity. If you've ever done this, you will know that a few hours a week spent helping others can give us a sense of satisfaction that just can't be found at work. And service is a spiritual discipline that brings us closer to Jesus. Let's not forget that Jesus said, I came not to be served, but to serve, and that the greatest among us is the greatest servant. Second, a good disciple is one who leaves the comfortable for the uncomfortable. As is the case in many churches, there is a Presbyterian church in Virginia where a group of men and women leave the United States to do mission work. Specifically, they travel to Honduras for a week to serve the local people. If you've ever been there, you'll know that in Honduras, the roads are covered with potholes and cooking fires fill the air with smoke. Extreme poverty is everywhere, with squatters living in shanties by the side of the road. And even when you have a group of people ready to help, it's often hard to find tools and supplies. It is certainly very different from the United States, and the people who go must make many personal sacrifices to be there. And yet, leaving the United States for Honduras is worth the discomfort for these teams of people. The joy of the Honduran people is infectious, and their faith in the face of daily hardships is truly inspiring. Strong bonds have developed over nearly two decades of visits, linking Americans and Hondurans in deep and loving friendships. For some members of this Presbyterian church, an uncomfortable week in Honduras is the best week of the year. I know what this feels like because I've had similar experiences in El Salvador as have other members of our church like TJ and Rochelle Scott who do mission work in Nicaragua. 
But none of this happens unless followers of Jesus are willing to leave, willing to leave the comfortable for the uncomfortable. Finally, a good disciple is one who leaves the familiar for the unfamiliar. In the United States today, people are seeking out like-minded friends and neighbors, and the result is terrible political polarization. Greater Good Magazine says that Americans are increasingly segregating themselves by political party and ideology, even in their residential communities. This segregation makes us more likely to demonize each other as more and more people live alongside those who hold similar political beliefs. A good disciple is one who leaves the familiar and seeks connections with people who do not share their race, religion, political party, or ideology. Such a person understands that Jesus did not begin his ministry by talking only with like-minded Galileans. Instead, according to the Gospel of Mark, he and his disciples immediately faced a very different man with an unclean spirit. Then Jesus cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And instead of staying at home, Jesus said, let us go to the neighboring towns so that I may proclaim the good news there also. Jesus and his disciples did not remain in familiar places with like-minded people. Instead, they moved into new areas and did the work of helping, healing, teaching, and preaching. Yes, they had difficult confrontations, which is to be expected when lines are crossed, but disagreements are natural and healthy. In contrast to the real problem, which is polarization. We can disagree and even have arguments about important things, but when this leads to polarization, it becomes destructive. Families are undermined. We are less likely to help each other. We're more stressed out. Violence is more likely, and it's harder for us to come together to solve problems. Jesus was clear that those who follow him will be required to make sacrifices and face hardships, like migrants who travel the world in search of work, but a willingness to leave the workplace, leave the comfortable, and leave the familiar can have a powerful and positive impact. When we reach out to others, we discover that the words of Jesus are true. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Just ask Rosalie. On the wall of her Texas house, she has a six-foot crucifix that proclaims Jesus the Redeemer and King of Kings. She has a nurse's prayer for a compassionate heart that she says each day as she leaves her house and goes to work at the hospital because she knows that a good disciple is one who leaves. Amen. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord Jesus, our helper and friend, you call us to leave what is familiar and comfortable to follow you. This is scary and requires us to make sacrifices.
But we trust you when you tell us that this is the path to salvation and abundant life. Give us the courage, strength, and hope we need to leave the life we've envisioned for ourselves to follow where you lead. Give us the gifts that only your way of life make possible, the gifts of peace, love, and joy. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.